Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What's going on, everybody? We are live with Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 200. 200 of these things is absolutely absurd. Um, thanks for rocking with us for as long as you have, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll hit 200 more uh, when we do. But Kyle Bennett, Matt Castorina, live from Underground Studios. As always, show brought to you by... Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. Without them, 200 of these episodes, not even close to happening, and uh, without you guys either. So, thank you for 200 episodes. Uh, got a lot on the docket tonight. Should preface this later on in the show. Audio version only. Uh, we got a chance to sit down with the man behind the account known as Freezing Cold Takes. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, you'll be able to check that out. But for the live show tonight, we got a lot to talk about as well. Matt, what's going on, man? Just living the dream, you know. And uh, the Eagles season dream has uh, unfortunately come to an end as uh, since the last time we talked. Eagles lost to the Seahawks 17-9 once again. Uh, three times this season the Eagles have been involved in 17-9 games. Um, Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman addressed the media today. And uh, there was a lot of interesting things that went down there. But uh, overall, you know, from what this Eagles season was, and obviously the expectations were high coming into the year, and things unfold and injuries happen, and for the most part, I am, you know, proud of what this team was able to do and rally around Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson and, and make it, you know, just to even get into the playoffs, win the division, I think is, uh, you know, something that they should uh, hang their heads high on. Yeah, like given the context of the season, all the injuries and um, just the bad performances, bad plays, yeah, to even have made the playoffs, to, to have won the division is still... It doesn't feel like this team won the division, but they did. Um, yeah, it's uh, it was a... Honestly, it was kind of a fitting end to the season where uh, Carson gets knocked out in the first half, and you it just feels like a lost potential, which is kind of how this whole season felt, where you lose Deshaun early on, um, everyone else catches a, a can't-catch-the-ball-itis for, for most of the season, and I feel like we'll always kind of be scratching our heads thinking a little bit with this this season, like what if. I think a little more so last year just because um, that team I think was a little more special and, you know, it, you were a little closer. But 
yeah, this entire season has, has been defined by injuries, so it is, in a way, only fitting that our the, the season is ended by one, really. Uh, a ton of things happened uh, in the press conference today. The funniest one being Doug Peterson for about a minute and a half using his water bottle as the world's largest lip balm uh, ever. So if you haven't seen that video, we did tweet it as kind of our show preview tweet. It's absolutely hilarious. Doug is standing behind Howie Roseman as he addresses... Uh, questions from the media and is just rubbing the cap of uh, a water bottle around his lips and and just laughing and not even remotely paying attention to what Howie Roseman said, uh, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Uh, But Mike K from NJ.com pinpointed some things uh, that he took away from the press conference and uh, number one being that uh, Alshon Jeffrey took a pay cut this year in order to uh, have his 2020 salary guaranteed. Uh, Howie Roseman said Alshon's a talented player. He loves being an Eagle. He loves this city. And uh, obviously we got that very odd Josina Anderson tweet during the game, uh, which just screamed, I like to you know make things up. Um, it, I think Alshon Jeffrey, after today's press conference, has a even higher likely chance of being back next season than he did probably two weeks ago yeah and um it's a it is a big question there's a lot of question marks with this team wide receiver court probably being in the top two <laughs> um yeah it, it, especially when you consider the the draft we keep hearing about how this is going to be a historic wide receiver draft and there's going to be lots of studs here um you know Someone like Alshon, I think, has a, a vested interest in making sure that he has a locked-up spot, <laughs> because uh, the way he performed this season, I don't know what he would look like on the open market. To be honest, uh, you know, he, I, I think he'd be a little fortunate to get <laughs> to get a, a good-term deal. Honestly, yeah, like he flat out was not very good this year, and part of that was injury. But you know, I think uh, I think wherever he ends up, if he is back in Philly, he should count himself a little fortunate. To be honest, very true, and I think we'll know the answer to that question within days of the new league year whether or not Alshon Jeffrey will be back because I don't think that would be something they'd want to uh you know have linger into the off season and into you know OTAs and everything and after the game uh it was interesting too Zach Rosenblatt from NJ.com tweeted that Carson Wentz, Miles Sanders, Zach Ertz, and Alshon Jeffrey were a a group of four kind of huddled together in the locker room you know talking to each other and I was I when I saw that, I was like, okay, that's really interesting because, you know, allegedly Alshon hates Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz and Alshon don't get along, yet here they are at the end of the season with two other guys that are going to be here for the long haul and Zach Ertz and, and Miles Sanders, and they're kind of, you know, reconvening with each other. And I was like, all right, Justine Anderson, stop throwing out these unnamed sources. And, uh, I, I just think Alshon has a really, really high chance of being back next year. I, we could get old takes exposed on this one, but uh, it seems like Alshon is going to be playing for a contract next year, which he was in 2017, and we all know what happened in 2017. Played through a, a rotator cuff injury, and the Eagles ended up winning the Super Bowl. So if Alshon just needs that motivation of playing on a one-year contract, so be it. But... Uh, you know, if he's healthy, I think I would rather have Alshon Jeffrey here than on another team and him, you know, finding success elsewhere. Yes, but also it it kind of like I feel like Alshon's past it, um, 
And again, I feel like we've made this comparison a lot between a lot of the Philadelphia teams, especially to the Phillies. And this feels like if Alshon is coming in as your third best wide receiver, you're okay with that. But as things stand now, Alshon is your number one wide receiver going into next year. Now, we don't know what's going to happen with the draft and any other free agent signings, all that, of course. That's all still in the air. Even Alshon himself is still in the air. But um, I don't think anyone should or does feel good about Alshon being your number one next year. And I, he's just not physically capable of handling it. You saw that this season. Like he's, not, he's just not someone that you can clearly depend on to stay healthy. And it's not like he's getting any younger. And we know with football – these guys, like, once you start getting those injury bugs, you very rarely just heal yourself and become kind of your old self again. Um, it's It's been two years now since we've seen good Alshon, so... And even good Alshon was injured. Yes, and even then, good Alshon was... He was less productive than... Now, of course, it was obviously different than being on those Bears teams where he was literally the only option, but... And he's just getting kind of fed the ball so much, but... And he was opposite, you know end of prime Brandon yeah. Marshall too with Jay Cutler who just was like alright here you go the ultimate gunslinger um, willing to take risks so yeah I mean it's yeah again if he's your third choice then you, you make your peace with it but um, I if, if you're going into next year with Alshon still as your number one and say Eagles don't even draft a wide receiver in this draft um, and maybe be horrible. Maybe maybe you get a free agent signing filling that player here. I I don't know. I I think that's it's the the wide receiver core has been an issue for even the Super Bowl year was was an issue. Obviously, at Alshon to to placate that a little bit, but um, for the most part, that's not been good the past like four or five years. Even I think the last time you had a great wide receiver core was like when Jeremy Macklin, Macklin was still on the team. That's it, those. Days were long ago now. It feels like you know only two or three years ago, but the, start looking at the dates, and that's almost a decade. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, uh, the Eagles need to really address that position because it's it's been said so much the past few seasons, and they haven't done it. And now you know that this draft class is going to have at least some studs in it. Um, Eagles held on to their draft picks this year, despite a lot of people wanting them to trade up to get Jalen Ramsey to get Jadavian Clowney, which is kind of odd when you consider the fact that Clowney's the reason you'd think at least is the reason that the, the Eagles aren't in the, the second round of the playoffs now but yeah I mean it, it is better to have all those darts on the board with a, a pretty aging team than to have you know I, the, the whole Jalen Ramsey thing you like Jalen Ramsey doesn't win his game against Seattle um, but uh, I, defense played well in that game as as well as you th- you could expect really um, and again I mean part of it again is once goes down and that's it's just frankly sucks. It sucks to kind of have your season ended that way, especially in the way that it was. It was uh, clearly a, a dirty hit. It wasn't like, you know, just freak football. You have guys get injured all the time. Is you know, it, it, if that was college football, he would get ejected for that hit. <laughs> but whatever, what can I you mean, do? There's there's a hit earlier this season with Derek Barnett that, sure, it was uh, it, it looked dirty, but... You know, Eagles fans were calling for their own player to get ejected in that game. Yeah. And, you know, we saw what happened there. And, you know, there's there's freeze-frame photos of, of Jadavion Clowney. He looks like he is, you know, a lion preying on a gazelle. You know, by the way, he's looking down at Carson Wentz. And then just, boom, lowers his head. And it was absolutely dirty. And he lives up to his, uh, his name. He's an absolute clown. Um... You bring up the draft picks, though. That is one of the things that Howie Roseman talked about. Uh, you know, he said that 
obviously the Eagles since the Carson Wentz trade up and a few other moves uh, over the past three off seasons. They haven't had a lot of draft picks. Um, he's he said he's looking forward to using his ten projected picks in April. Quote: I think that the big things for us because we haven't had a lot of picks, we have to hit on more of them, uh, and volume is important for us to go to us going forward. You have to increase your volume to give yourself a better shot. Couldn't agree more. We need to inject this team with a lot of youth. There's going to be a lot of players on the way out just because of age. And uh, be ready to see a lot of new faces on this Eagles team next year because I think it's going to be uh, very interesting to see what they do with the guys that are free agents and you know potential retirements and everything like that. Howie also addressed the J.J. Ortega-Whiteside pick with saying... Uh, we don't have our head in the sand, and we noticed that the wide receiver draft class this year had a lot of production. <laughs> One of them on Sunday with DK Metcalf. You played against Terry McLaurin twice. Uh, Darius Slayton plays for the Giants. AJ Brown is helping the Titans beat the Patriots yeah. on the road. So, JJ Ortega Whiteside, uh, who, who kind of had a, a pretty decent end of the season, you have to say. I know he's he's gotten his criticism, but. Um, he he did have a decent last few weeks. It's not like he was a ghost. Like he he did start to come around a bit. It just stinks when you use a second round pick on a guy who had ten catches the oh, entire yeah. season. Listen, I I'm not defending him. <laughs> I'm just saying that you know he started at absolute yeah, rock he, bottom, he so he could only go up as the season went on. He could, sure. he, there was only room to go up, but you know he did he started to work his way in, but still not good enough and uh, not very promising for his future as an eagle. The interesting thing was uh, Doug Peterson saying he expects Mike Groh and Carson Walsh, who if you don't know who that is, that is the Eagles wide receiver coach, he expects both of them to be back next season. He was very adamant about that. Um, he said, quote, I think both of those guys did an outstanding job for me this year. There were a lot of things we faced offensively, as you know, through adversity, through injury. Through many different facets of trying to get the pieces together. And so my hat goes off to both of those gentlemen. Doug, I love you. It's they like, ain't it. It's like when your your friend has like a, a a a girlfriend you want him to break up with. And yes. you know, he keeps saying, like, oh, I don't know, man. She's really like she's really she's really getting to me. I don't know. And you're like, Yes, dude. You gotta break up with her, and then he comes back the next day. He's like, "Ah, oh, yeah, everything's good. We smooth things over." It's like Jesus, like you feel like you make a little bit of headway, and then yeah, he continues to commit, and it's just a shame because <laughs> he is just wasting his time. And the interesting thing was, he was very polar opposite on just being committal about Jim Schwartz, who obviously it's been reported he uh, interviewed with the Cleveland Browns for their head coaching <laughs> job, which is. Man Full loves circle. his Midwest. Um, but, you know, he was. it was very weird how he kind of handled the entire Jim Schwartz thing during uh, the press conference today, which made it seem like he – it doesn't seem like Jim Schwartz is going to be back next year, which I personally think would be a mistake. But then Ian Rappaport and Mike Garofolo both came out and said, uh, unless Jim Schwartz gets the head coaching job in Cleveland, he's coming back to Philadelphia. So – just a very odd thing because we have had, you know, those those stories and rumblings about Jim Schwartz and the, you know, the balance of quote-unquote power with the Eagles coaching staff and 
you know, the decisions that Jim Schwartz had influence on when it came to personnel and uh, very interesting just how that was communicated at the end of this season as compared to the last couple seasons. Yeah, and um, it's weird because Jim Schwartz in his first season with the Eagles was kind of like a revelation, and I think people soured on a lot of people not named Doug Peterson on the coaching staff, but I've always felt like Jim Schwartz doesn't necessarily deserve some of that criticism. Um, I don't know. I, I, th- I think keeping Mike Groh here especially seems like a, a bit of malpractice for the Eagles, to be honest, but... Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's weird. You know, you kind of look around the league too, and some of the other uh, coaching decisions being made, and you almost feel good about the fact that we're only messing up by keeping Mike Grow and not hiring, you know, someone like Mike McCarthy um, or even Jim. Sh- I listen. We like Jim Schwartz, but he's not a good head coach. No, we, we've fantastic seen, defensive coordinator. We've, we've seen this, and, and you know, you, speaking of which, you know, you Wade Phillips, right? Like he was kind of heralded last year for his work as defensive coordinator on the Rams. We know that he just did not really make a good head coach which is fine um with Romeo Cornell as well yeah. now is a, is a good coordinator like there's all these guys that just think uh, it's it's a much bigger step up than people realize and I just don't think Jim Schwartz is really really the guy no. and people saying that if Jim Schwartz ends up getting the head coaching job in Cleveland to bring in you know uh, Wade Phillips stop Wade Phillips is a 3-4 defensive coordinator the Eagles do not have the personnel for that they for a reason brought Doug Peterson in here to get a coaching staff to flip back to a 4-3 defense uh, because when Chip Kelly was here, we were running a 3-4 and we all know how successful that defense was. Um, Another interesting point here was uh, the Eagles were non-committal but appreciative of Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, Obviously, Malcolm came out and said he's not happy with uh, his current contract, he won't play on his current contract, um, and you know he's set to make seven point six million dollars next season, uh, while three other safeties next year are making upwards of fourteen million per year. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins has played at least ninety percent of the defensive snaps in each of the past three years. He played ninety nine percent this past season, while everyone around him was getting injured on the defense. And twenty eighteen, he did the same thing, played. Uh, 100% of the snaps on defense and special teams. Uh, Howie Roseman said, uh, what an incredible eagle, uh, what an incredible player, what an incredible person he is and has been for us. Uh, Roseman said he'll keep the contract talks between him and Malcolm Jenkins. Which is very interesting because he also said uh, they have no plans to move on from Zach Ertz or Dallas Goddard. Uh, and he sees Zach Ertz, you know, in his Hall of Fame potential, and Zach Ertz obviously voicing that he wants to be an Eagle for life. Um, so very interesting comments there from uh, from Howie Roseman on Malcolm Jenkins, and then Howie also said that they can't have a strategy of hope uh, because that doesn't win you games, and kind of just referencing uh, the injuries and everything, and he said they did hire a new uh chief for the medical staff we'll see how this one works out um and then the other interesting thing Howie Roseman said was uh he you know likes to hold on to players pretty much and that's one of the Eagles front office's biggest flaws um so it's it was interesting for him to address that in my opinion and then uh I think it's absolutely true you know we've seen it with Jason Peters we've seen it with players in the past where this run of Eagles 
they've held on to guys for too long and it's come to, you know, bite them in the butt season after season. And I think it's time to kind of evaluate when it's time to move on from guys and kind of cut the nostalgia. Obviously, Darren Sproles, another one. We all love Darren Sproles here, but after 2017, it should have been time to move on from Darren Sproles. Jason Peters, sure, got through all 17 games this season, but you drafted Andre Dillard for a reason. There's no reason that Andre Dillard should not be your starting left tackle going into 2020. Yeah, and again, I, I hate bringing up this point again, but it was it's, it's just clear as day. When everyone was begging this team to make big moves in the middle of the season, this is why. Like, you need to have a longer perspective, and it's almost like the same thing where we were talking about with the Sixers. Where it's like, you need to look at the bigger picture here and, and realize that you have... You have a good team in the Eagles. You still have a good young core. Like there's there's pieces still to work with here. We we all see that. But you're gonna need to replace what like seven pretty influential players, and well like four of those seven are like Pro Bowl, you know, all <laughs> all star players. Like a few of them might even go down as like the best to ever play in their position for the Eagles. Even some in like all time. Like you're talking some some truly great players here that are going to be pretty irreplaceable and that are going to be talked about for the next decades. Um, and you're going to have to replace them. And like not like in a few years, like now. Like you you need to be drafting now. It's like the the core run of Phillies players that we just kind yeah. of have finally moved on from that's what this Eagles team is right now yeah this is this is you know about as good as it gets so yeah you you need to be relieving these guys in some way you're gonna you're gonna really be stuck in a in a bad year like this this year sucked a lot of that was due to injuries and some inconsistency but um Eagles really haven't had like a terrible string of years they've pretty much our entire lives you know, for, for us being, you know, 25, 26 years old have been pretty good team. Uh, yeah, especially when we were younger, perennial playoff team in the NFC Championship game all the time. They've never had, like, you know, two or three straight just, like, terrible seasons. You know, they've never really had a bad year. And, you know, I don't want to say the fans are spoiled by that, but, you know, I, th- I think in a way this, the fan base is a little spoiled by that and, and needs to realize that, like, it, this team could crumble very easily if we don't address the glaring weaknesses, which is the age and some very key positions. And that, frankly, too, like, I haven't drafted skill positions very well at all. I'm not so much worried about replacing, you know, on both sides of the line. I feel like we've done that well. But, you know, if, you know, the, the running backs have been good this year. I, I don't think you can say Miles Sanders hasn't been a hit, but we know wide receiver is an issue. Tight end, you feel good about going forward. You have probably the the best, or at least the top two or three duo in the league in that regard. But you know, we we need some guys that can make big plays. You know, you, we have again, we have not had a guy like that since Deshaun in his first stint. Mm-hmm. And you can't even say Deshaun now because we had one game with him. Yeah. So it's like, it, and even with that one game, you saw what he did for the offense. Yes. And then you take that away, and it was this kind of stagnant. Flat type you of you look at all the teams still in the playoffs now, and they all have one thing in common, which is that they have a huge playmaker. You, the, the Texans have DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best wide receivers in the league. Titans have A.J. Brown, and they have Janu Smith, like a, a breakout tight end this and year. Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, like who is like the, a top three running back, if not the best running back in football right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else is still left? You Michael have Thomas. Michael Thomas, electric. Alvin Kamara. Stephon Diggs. Adam Stephon Thielen. Diggs. You have on the Seahawks. You have Tyler Lockett. 
pocket, fantastic. You have DK Metcalf, who, by the way, I think I almost predicted exactly his touchdown. I think I said 51-yard touchdown, and it was a 53. Um like you have, you know, you look at Green Bay and you had um, Devontae Adams. You have Aaron Jones. Like, Eagles, like yes, Miles Sanders is great, but you cannot even point to a thing. Even when we're fully healthy, I, I don't even think I love Deshaun Jackson. Does not hold a candle to really any of those guys. No, every single Lord one of those, awesome. every single one of those guys, whether it was a running back or a wide receiver, is around top ten to top fifteen in their position. A few of them even are look top at the five. Patriots. Julian Edelman has been consistently yeah. good. He's certainly not a he's not like a Tyreek Hill that's going to break off, you know, 90-yard plays. Playoff team. Another playoff team that has like, an abundance of weapons, you Emmanuel know. Emmanuel Sanders with the 49ers. Like he, he, there's all, there's all and it's Emmanuel Sanders team. is someone you feasibly could have had too. Like yep. that's that's another kind of big whiff. You know, a lot of these other guys have at least been drafted and developed, but you know, when you see guys like that, you get a little you get a little tight over it. But yeah, they the Eagles are lacking that, and they have lacked that, and that's that's what I'm most looking forward to with the the draft this year is finding someone like that. We why can't we get a, a McCall Hardman from Kansas City? Like why yeah. can't why can't we, we get these guys? Him. That's the thing too is like you you that's what sucks the most about DK Metcalf yep. too is that is a guy you could have had you could have had, and for whatever reason the Eagles are have made a habit of missing out on guys like that in these skill positions, and whatever it is, I don't know if it's if it's down to scouting, decision-making, I don't know whose final call that all really is, but um, that's what you hope changes. In, in, in Even, I mean, obviously the Baltimore Ravens have been dynamic. You look at every single playmaker on that offense. You look at, um, you know, even the Buffalo Bills this year. They went out and signed John Brown, who was kind of just a cast-off from the Baltimore Ravens and the Arizona Cardinals and blossomed into a number one wide receiver for Josh Allen. Devin Singletary looked like a, a dynamic running back against the Houston Texans. And Miles Sanders has been great, but you can't just have one component. You have to have multiple facets, and the one thing the Eagles are completely lacking, as opposed to all these other playoff teams that were in the playoffs and are still in, is they don't have that dynamic number one wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, again, you can't even you really can't even say the last time the Eagles had uh, a top wide receiver like that, except for a Terrell Owens. That's genuinely the last time the Eagles have had a legitimate top five, top three wide receiver in their position. You know, Macklin was in his best years close to that. Deshaun was Deshaun, Deshaun was close to that, but there was a, I think there were still comfortably guys better than them. They they were certainly dynamic in their own right. But the Eagles have, in my lifetime have never had a wide. And you think at some point they would have to. Every team at least gets lucky with a draft. The Detroit Lions have gotten lucky with a draft like twice. Everyone has had at least one of those wide receivers where it's like, wow, like they are a legitimate threat. Like guys that constantly have to be double teamed. The Eagles just don't have that. Some interesting uh, little tidbits, too, from Carson Wentz's concussion from uh, Derek Gunn from NBC Sports Philadelphia. Put out an article and said that Carson Wentz's concussion was so scary that he could not remember what had happened in the game or who the Eagles had played the week before. He cleared most of the NFL's tests by Tuesday and cleared the rest today on Wednesday. So that explains why they were calling his wife down to the uh, yeah. locker room area. Yeah, he had to remember who she was. It's scary, though. I mean, you know, we, it's weird that concussions are not like we. It feels like we talk a lot about concussions and head injuries, but yet at the same time, we don't. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I feel like we're all aware how dangerous concussions are 
and that the NFL needs to do better in protecting their players. And it's good that Carson didn't see the field again, especially when you, you hear those things. But, um, you know, you hear, like, the players' takes and everything, you know, during the game about how Carson's soft and injury-prone this and that, and, you know, he can't be dependent on it. It's like, the dude got lasered in the back of his head and is out with a concussion. It's not I like... I believe it was his first concussion, too. Yeah, it's not like he, like, pulled a hamstring here, like... And and even the Carson Wentz being injury prone thing is just completely not true. It's not like he's ever had like he's not a guy that has this continued like muscle injuries or it's like he gets re aggravated. Like they're just torn ligaments, which is like a lot Freak of people things. a lot of people happen to do that. Like he's missed eight games in his career and five playoff games that the Eagles have participated in. Because he because he kind of kept getting hurt in the second half of the season. So it's like what do you I I don't know. It's it's strange and it was uh, it's disappointing to see even like Tory Smith like. The, what he had to say, I thought was um, it was Tory Holt. Oh, sorry, yeah, I thought that was pretty bad. bad. <laughs> um, especially when reporters are quote tweeting that, and, like reporters should, in theory, be neutral parties. Mm-hmm. Um, like even even people who are like beat reporters for certain teams or for certain like cities, you would expect to be neutral. But to like put your own spin on a guy being out injured and again from a concussion is like think pretty pretty sad and then you have two guys who have been known for concussions Danny Cannell and Brandon Stokely who Brandon Stokely's career came to an end because he had like 14 concussions that they know about by the way because what we know right. about concussions too is that from the time that they're finding kids who played in high school have CT and you're getting these mini concussions like that that people have hundreds of them throughout their career these NFL players so just just diagnosed concussions is 14. I've had one concussion in my life, and it was terrible. <laughs> like, to have 14 that you know about, come on, or that you at least spoke up about, or you were... And you aw- want to call a guy injury-prone for an injury that he could not prevent. It's just... And, and the exact type of hit that they want out of the league, too, yeah. by the way. You know. Uh, the, the story from Derek Gunn also goes on to say, while Carson Wentz was in the blue medical tent... Uh, he had a little bit of trouble sitting in a stationary position. That's just terrifying. Yeah. Um, but we're glad Carson's okay. And also, our hats off to one Josh McCown. Comes into the game, you know, he also gets injured in this game with either a, a hamstring or a, a, you know, butt muscle strain, whatever it may be. He was limping out of the shower. Uh, he gave it his all. And, you know, for a 40 year old quarterback to make his playoff debut, uh, unfortunately under the circumstances that he had to do it in uh and just you know manage as much as he could hats off to him and you know I've heard people say you know they're kind of relieved that the Eagles didn't win this game because then you'd have the narrative of oh you know if we can beat the Seahawks with Josh McCown like we can do it we can go on this run without Carson Wentz if need be Carson probably would have played in this game if they would have you know advanced and everything but Shout out to Josh McCown for, you know, stepping in cold and, and doing what he did and literally left it all out in the field. And if anything, I hope he's back on, you know, the coaching staff in one way or another because it seemed like Doug really likes him, Carson really likes him, and, uh, you know, he he seemed to be very well liked amongst the team. So if the Eagles can bring him back in any sort of capacity for this coaching staff, even if it's just to, you know, help Carson out, in terms of, you know, just navigating through the league and everything, I think that'd be a huge bonus for this coaching staff. Absolutely. Uh, other than that, I mean, 
the Eagles season is over, and uh, you know we want to thank you guys for you know rocking for a second full season of Eagles football with us. Eagles enemies was a huge success uh, once again. So thank you to all the you know reporters, uh, journalists, podcasters, and uh, everything in between who came on for Eagles enemies season two. Eagles enemies will be back next year as well, and uh, you know it was a lot of fun covering this Eagles team again, and it's going to be a very interesting offseason, to say the least, and we'll see what goes down uh, with everything. So, Eagles season comes to an end, but that does not mean the Sixers are done. Joel Embiid getting injured the other night, and his finger looked like a compass arrow. Uh, Very uncomfortable. You heard him scream when it happened. But the Sixers finally beat the Thunder. And, you know, I I go on this rant about how the Sixers never beat that team. I did a little research, Matt, and uh, that was only the third time since the Oklahoma City Thunder relocated from Seattle that the Sixers have beaten the Oklahoma City Thunder. Fantastic. That's great. Um, Felt good, though. You know, we avoided some sort of mini-apocalypse if the Sixers had also lost. I really thought when Embiid went out injured, I was like, oh, I was like, here we go. This is exactly what we all needed. And not only are we going to lose this game, but it beads out for, you know, let's say two, three weeks. Um, I was very shocked to see him back in the game, just considering the picture. Now, he got it taped up. Now we know he's gonna, not going to be able to play tomorrow night against the Celtics. But um, I was genuinely surprised when I saw him check back in. I had the double take. I was like, oh, I don't know how that's happening. But came back in and played well, all things considered. And uh, gutsy performance by him. You like to see that, you know, in, in a way from uh, one of your leaders of your team to, to gut it out like that. And, yeah, really important win because Thunder, above average team. They're not a great team this year, but certainly doing better than I think people expected them to be. Um, and, yeah, like you said, a team we've historically struggled against, always seemed to be on the wrong side of close games against, and finally get one over, put a put an end to the losing streak, set it, get things back on track. And it's it's a good feeling. Josh Richardson goes off in this game. Great performance. Uh, 23 points. Trey Burke, 12 points in 16 minutes. Uh, he's looked good in this, this nice little stretch, and you hope it continues. But he's the type of guy I think this Sixers offense kind of needs to, you know, have a little bit of flair to it. He's the type of player that they need, and he's probably, like, the poor man's version of what they need. But if it's working, use it. Um, I don't know if you've seen Tobias Harris's kind of cryptic quote tweets uh, recently. It seems like he's t- kind of taking shots at everybody who who doubted him. I've only seen him uh, with his very cute pictures of Matisse Thybulle <laughs> drinking orange Gatorade. Those were fantastic. Um, I'm gonna see if I can find these because it, it's interesting just the the caption choices he's using, and it seems I like... feel like I've seen one about like um. Very generic, like the haters, whatever kind of quote. Yeah. So like, the yeah. Sixers put out a, you know, to vote for him to be in the All Star game, uh, and the quote is from Brett saying he's having a hell of a year. And Tobias quote tweeted it and said, "Louder for the people in the back with the the yelling yeah, kind of face I think I saw that one. emojis." And then today, uh, he tweeted a picture of himself, kind of looking down and smiling. Saying, this is the one I saw. Yeah. One of the most expensive things you'll ever do is pay attention to yeah. the wrong people. I was like, damn, that's like. A minion meme quote. <laughs> like, you're good for Toby though. You know, like he he has gotten I think some unfair criticism 
it's not his fault that he was offered that contract. He, he clearly has a, a great agent. I've said this, that every other NBA player should be, I don't know off the top of my head who Tobias Harris is represented by, but everyone should be looking to be represented Let's by him because he got an absolutely fantastic deal. And he deserves to be an all-star, by the way. I think he's he's played well enough to deserve that spot. I think he's I think he's great. I, I really like Tobias. Um, yeah, he's never really going to quite live up to that max contract. I don't know what to tell you. It's it's kind of a moot point right now. There, there's really no point in really um, freaking out about it anymore, just because you know the it's what's done is done. You know that's that's what he's going to be paid. Seems like his uh, agent is a family affair because uh, it's all of his siblings. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean Tobias has played well this year, and you know he's he's a great rebounder. I think you know he, he hasn't quite been his the status his agent. There you go. Uh, hire, hire Mr. Harris. Some Mike Trout way. Yeah. Hey, keep it, keep it in the family. Nothing wrong with that. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I, I really like Tobias, and you know, cl- it's clear too that he's a, a positive influence on the locker room, which we all expected anyway. He seemed like a, a really good guy, and um, you're good to have around a still relatively young team. Um, he seems to be a good mentor for Matisse, which is great. So yeah, I, I love I really love Toby and yeah, of course he's not gonna live up to the contract. We all know this at this point, but had a good game again. I think he's had a very good season, all things considered. It's it's been it's been good. But that's been my take the entire time mm-hmm. too. So I don't know. Still think he's an all star as yeah, of right now. I think, I think he's, he deserves he's, it. He's borderline on there. I, I as a, a Sixers bias I would give it to him, but you could probably make the case for other guys. But he's he's definitely in the conversation mm-hmm. for sure. Um it's a little bit like last year with the Clippers, honestly, where he's in the conversation, may or may not make he might be a fringe guy, but I th- I think he's he's certainly in the mix for sure. I can't wait for uh Matisse's car to be filled with popcorn too. <laughs> that video is going to be absolute cold. Josh Richardson also playing in the snow today, uh for the first time. Hashtag wholesome content there. By the way, uh, Celtics down 18 to the Spurs right now. Love to see that. Uh, Speaking of the Celtics, Sixers host them tomorrow night. Uh, Like Matt said, no Joel Embiid tomorrow, but Matisse Thibel will be back. Uh, This is a game where you want to see Al Horford silence everybody. Will he? Who knows? That remains to be seen. But this is the exact stage you want set for Al Horford to go out and have arguably you know his best game of the season this far yeah and you kind of have to cling to the belief that he will um you know he's he's been someone that in his career stepped up in in big moments he's been a a good performer in the playoffs again you don't need to tell philly fans about horford in in big games um you know he, he is he is you're right in that he has the chance to kind of silence a lot of this uh a lot of the vitriol around him uh sixers have a chance to still remain undefeated against the celtics this season which would be great and you know you if some of these other eastern conference teams lose tonight and then you beat the celtics tomorrow all of a sudden look at that you're right back in the mix <laughs> weird weird how that happens um you know so so hopefully the sixers get a little help tonight with some losses and then yeah you know it, still all clearly in their control in their destiny whatever cliche you want to use and you know they've had some rest now obviously no Embiid hurts things but yeah I think you have to feel good about beating Boston you've beaten them very handedly opening night at home and you went on the road and beat them I I think you can certainly make the case that the the Sixers uh, should be a favorite for tomorrow Sixers sitting at the five seed in the east right now 
um, just a half game behind Toronto, three games behind the Heat, and the Celtics. So go and essentially get two games back tomorrow if you beat Boston, um, which would be extremely uh, you know, positive for the way that this team has been trending the past couple uh, games and you know, just build off that Thunder win before you hit the road. Uh, for two against the Mavericks and the Pacers, which the Pacers, uh, you know, Victor Oladipo announced he will make his season debut on January 29th um, after being out for about a year now with that knee injury. So Pacers are, you know, going to get better right before the trade deadline with a guy who they don't even have to give up assets for, um, which is why we wanted to see the Sixers take advantage of a, uh, you know, depleted Pacers team without Victor Oladipo, but... Go beat the Celtics again and be 3-0 against them and really, you know, stick a flag and, and say, like, hey, this is, you know, we are here to dominate this team and, and kind of live rent-free in some Celtics players' heads because the way this team has played Boston this year has been exceptional and it's been the best they've done in the Brett Brown era, in but, my opinion. Man, and not even just against Boston, too. Again, like... So much of the criticism in the past few years has been that this team can't beat the top teams. And now in a year where they're playing very well against the top teams, everyone hates the team. Don't even get me started. <laughs> but yeah, th- this team, you have the chance to go 3-0 against the Celtics. This was, there, was a ch- there was a time where we didn't even, we'd get, we would get swept by the Celtics in the regular season. We would constantly get beat by this team. And now that, that pendulum has started to swing the other way and, and people want to trade half the team. Don't get it. <laughs> I, don't get it at I, all. I don't know what it is, but yeah, I think uh, you have to feel good about the Sixers' chances. I say this and we'll lose, but um, obviously no Embiid hurts things, and you hope that this injury doesn't keep him out in the long term because, again, you know, you, you're just started to build, I think, a little bit of rhythm with the starting five finally being together again, and now Thibault's back and you lose Embiid. It's like a constantly when one door closes, another door opens, but it's all injuries. It's it's not positive New Year's resolution crap. It's like you can either get an injury or what's behind this door that could also be an injury, and that's exactly what it is each and every time. Um, but, yeah, go take care of business against Boston Beat the teams that you're supposed to beat and beat the teams in front of you. Um, Because this January slate, while there are tough games, it is a winnable month, like we said when it started. So go take care of Boston and uh, make some Philly fans happy and and forget that four-game losing streak even happened. Uh, I know you and I are both big-time jersey and uniform guys. The NHL All-Star uniforms came out today. Wanted to get your opinion on those. A lot of mixed emotions on the timeline about them. Uh, I did not even see them, to be honest. I will pull them up here. I I was was not very much on the Twitter today. Because, obviously, Travis Konechny, an all-star. Here are the all-star. Those are sick. I like them a lot. I agree. I think they're really cool. A lot of people don't like them. I think they're really cool. I, I am a fan. Is that how all the teams are, where it's like the you know, the the white and black, and then yeah. like the one of the main colors? I th- I think that looks nice. I don't know. I think they're pretty clean. I'm a sucker for like the the white and black, mm-hmm. like kind of like I I like that for all star games personally. Um, I th- I think those look sharp to be honest, and it fits very well with the Flyers just because you know it's very similar to what we have already, which is you know I get, I think those look clean. I think they look awesome. Yeah, I think the black ones look substantially so better, but um, 
those are nice. I think those those are pretty good. I I don't know why people hate on them. I feel like people hate on it regardless. There's always yeah. there's always a reason to not like something, isn't it? Uh, so the the All Star jerseys are out. We've retweeted them. Let us know what you think about them. I think they're great. Matt thinks they're great. Um, Flyers also have a new hashtag emoji hashtag that they're using um, because obviously with the events with Oscar Lindblom, they eliminated the Flyer Die hashtag. Um, and they are now using, I believe it is now or, yes, now or never is the new Flyers hashtag, um, which I think also Con- fits. Considering recent political events in the world, that might be true. <laughs> <laughs> it might literally be now, now or never. Or never. Uh, so Connect, you just scored. Look there at that. There we go. All-star. TK, baby. Um, as your brother <laughs> yells coots for selfie <laughs> on the timeline. Um also, shout out to your brother for uh, coming at Hot Pockets, saying that they need to uh, partner up with us because Hot Pockets said they are looking for uh, creators to work with. And guys, we are we are more than willing to display a table of Hot Pockets. I am big old plate right I here. Do like Hot Pockets? I haven't had one in a while, but I haven't had Hot Pockets uh, in years. I uh, I used to love the breakfast ones. Those are classic. That was a pepperoni pizza. I mean, those are that's There's, that was the go-to. That is, you know, one of the goats for sure. We will put a plate of Hot Pockets on the table for every show. It, we'll make it happen. So, Hot Pockets, let's let's make something work. Um, but yeah, Flyers. Uh, hopefully, they'll get back on the winning streak here, and uh, you know, go in strong to uh you know wrap up this this long stretch of games that they've had uh they're finally back home though so let's see if they can get a home dub as they now lead one nothing uh interesting news though uh that came out too regarding the eagles and the philadelphia union that kind of came out of nowhere jay ajayi now the official emls athlete for the philadelphia union uh for the stage one for FIFA, and he got introduced yesterday with his uh, gamer tag jersey being J Train, and uh, pretty cool to see JJ sticking around and, and you know taking on a new opportunity, and he's going to be playing in a match on Friday night uh, at Union Transfer of all places. Um, pretty cool to see you know a, a professional athlete going into the esports. There's right? actually. I cannot. He's a Brazilian soccer player who retired and has since become a like famous FIFA like pro player. So not the first athlete to make the switch, but um, then there's also a current player um, who's also really active in, in the FIFA community. But it's it's definitely very cool to see this, and you know Philly as well. I think is going to have a very special connection with esports in the next few years with some of the plans they have. Um, so it's yeah, it it did come out of left field to be honest. Uh, it makes sense because he he obviously you know he's from England, so he clearly has you know probably a little bit more of a in tune with with soccer. Um, but yeah, it definitely came out of left field. I I, I was very he confused. Said it was something that his agent set up, and uh, you know for the people that are familiar with the Union's esports team, uh, their former athlete Dulsta. Uh, moved on because I believe he is going to college and uh, got an opportunity to play for another team in the MLS's uh, esports team closer to where he's going to school and he was wildly successful uh, with the union so now Jay Ajayi with big shoes to fill and uh, he's going to be representing the Philadelphia Union as their esports athlete so pretty cool to see there Um, 
before we kick it to our interview for the audio only listeners uh, with freezing cold takes what's in the works for us you know 200 episodes in uh, you know of just this show and then obviously we've done uh, close to 50 episodes of Eagles enemies uh, we way back in the day if you've been rocking with us since day one there are 12 episodes of a podcast we like to call top bins um, <coughs> that may or may not be uh, you know being talked about amongst us again um, obviously outside the box uh, later on this week we'll reach a hundred episodes which is absolutely stupid um, for just how that all came together and where it is now is absolutely insane uh, and then just all the you know interviews and and you know throw in kind of shows that we've done uh, you know in almost two years is absolutely crazy but uh, we've been retweeting and, and posting on an account known as Streamer Season recently, and uh, you guys should be following that, because we will have details all about it um, halftime of the Super Bowl. So make sure you're following at Streamer Season, that's Streamer S-Z-N on Twitter and Instagram, uh, and all of the details about Streamer Season will come to the forefront uh at halftime of the Super Bowl. A lot of stuff going on, too. Also, big, you know, belated, as we record this, uh, birthday to our friends at Design Tree and our buddy Drew Smith. They just celebrated their first year of existence the other day. Uh, They came into existence because of the double doink, which happened almost, you know, just a a little over a year ago now. Um, You know, they, they do an incredible job with our merch and uh we're very you know happy to be you know partner with design tree they do great stuff and we're gonna be at the hq uh in a couple weeks to do their podcast with them as they have uh you know started bringing in a bunch of the branches of the tree to do their podcast and kind of give everybody the uh the details on what they do so uh keep your eyes out we will be Heading up there soon to be part of the Treehouse podcast uh, with Design Tree. But happy birthday to those guys. And, uh, you know, we got a lot in the works. Our, our two-year anniversary is coming up. Uh, the NFL playoffs are here. If you're not following at 4th and Goal USP on Twitter, you should. They are doing all of our playoff football coverage. Patty Pitts and the crew up in uh, Boston are uh, handling all of that. I know he's freaking out because... Who knows what's happening with Tom Brady? It's absolutely hilarious uh, that they lost in the first round of the playoffs too. But uh, make sure you're following them on Twitter, and uh, we've got a lot planned. We're going to be at LaxCon this weekend in Philly. Um, a whole lot of stuff. We got approved for another year of Philadelphia Wings full season credentials, so we'll be down at the Wells Fargo Center a ton. Obviously, we're still covering the Blue Coats, but. Uh, Thank you guys for rocking with us for 200 episodes of Underground Sports Philadelphia. Uh, I wouldn't be able to do it without this guy right here. Uh, you know, he makes my life a hell of a lot easier, and we have a ton of fun recording these twice a week. So thank you guys for, uh, you know, rocking with us and uh, listening to the show. And I think for uh, our audio listeners, you're going to hear our interview with Freezing Cold Takes right now. But as always, guys. Make sure you check out our Design Tree storefront at dsgntree.com. 
Uh, search Underground Sports Philadelphia and use use that promo code HOLIDAYS for 20% off your order at checkout. And uh, it's been 200 episodes. As always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Automall, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. Can't thank you guys enough. Here's to 200 more. And uh, any thoughts on uh, number 200, man? Bicentennial, one of my favorite words in the English language. Um, that's about it, though. 200, that's a lot. That's a We've lot. We've done a lot of talking into some yes. microphones. Yes. And uh, it's been crazy. But uh, thank you guys again, and we'll catch you guys on Saturday for another Sixers Saturday, hopefully talking about a win over Boston. Uh, if anything with the Eagles comes to fruition, if the Phillies stop hiding under a rock, and uh, hopefully some Flyers wins, and hopefully Joel Embiid's finger is okay. But uh, for everybody here at Underground Sports Philadelphia, for Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Peace. All right, so we, we had to celebrate episode number 200 of Underground Sports Philadelphia in style, and uh, we're going a little off the grid, and we are going to uh, have a nice little conversation with Fred Siegel, who you guys know better as Old Takes Exposed on Twitter, Freezing Cold Takes. Fred, one, thanks for coming on the show. Two, how's it going, man? It's going great. Congratulations, 200 shows. How long have you guys been doing this, a year? So we started on February 7th, 2018, which was the Wednesday after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Uh, That's right. It was one right. of those things right. where we were just like, hey, if they win, I have this idea, and uh, we can sit in front of a webcam for an hour and talk about this Eagles season, and if they don't win, we'll just wait a week because we'll be drowning in our sorrows, and then we can talk about the Eagles season uh, in front of a webcam, but yeah, it's been a it's been a wild ride, and uh, happy to be at episode two hundred, and thankful that you were able to uh, take time out of your schedule to jump on and and be a part of it. That's great, everything's great. Yeah, so wow, so you have almost two years. You guys been doing this, huh? Yeah, two years in a, a couple weeks. So it's it's been one hell of a ride, and uh, I'm sure the same thing has gone on for you with. Uh, you know, freezing cold takes being on Twitter since 2010. Just give me a little insight. How did this all get started? And uh, did you ever think at old takes exposed would be uh, as big as it is now? Oh, no, no. Well, I actually didn't start freezing cold takes until 2000, the end of 2015. The, the reason why the account says it's 2010 is it was, it was a different account. I got gotcha. you. That I made. So so the actual freezing cold takes didn't start till 2015. But um, it's been going great. Oh, I start. Nah, I just started off a whim. I just decided, hey, I'm going to do it. Um, I didn't think I, – I, I just did it to really kind of troll reporters. At the time, I didn't think it was going to be big at all. It was just going to be something to do for fun. But it turned into big cause, because uh, different outlets picked it up. It turned into something uh, bigger than I thought. Yeah, I'm looking at some of our just mutual, uh, you know, followers and everything. You've got, you know, 
the the top of the line NFL reporters and Mike Garofolo, Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter following you. Uh, you've got, you know, obviously he follows everybody, but you've got Rob Perez at, uh, you know, everybody loves Wob and, uh, you know, Tory Smith, former Philadelphia Eagle, also one of your followers, but you know, did you ever think on Twitter of all places, you know, you'd have these reporters of, of such high stature wanting to see, you know, content that you're putting out, uh, just for the sake of, you know, trolling, uh, pretty terrible takes no i never thought that <laughs> at all i didn't think that was gonna happen <laughs> so um yeah i have all those yeah the reporters like to follow um some of them don't a lot of them are annoyed with the account for, for the sole reason of the fact that they don't like when people tag them they don't like when people tag me to one of their tweets. That's what. That's when they get really annoyed. <laughs> uh, they don't like it when people tag me to their tweets that they just made, and they say, "You know, look out for this. Put this in your vault." And I'll get like twenty people to do it on, off of one tweet. So they they get annoyed with that. That's pretty wild. Now, yeah. the the account has. Uh, almost 350,000 followers and, you know, getting, you know, 20 people on just one tweet alone, I'm sure the amount of, uh, takes that have been sent to you on social media, especially on Twitter, uh, have been insane. Uh, what are some of your, you know, personal favorites of, you know, the old takes that have been exposed, uh, over the years? Well, yeah, I'm from South Florida. I grew up in Miami and I, I love, uh, there was one back in 2011 when LeBron James and uh, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh all, it was the first year they were in the heat together and they lost to Dallas in the finals 4-2. And um, Jason Whitlock wrote an article to blow up, blow up the big three. It's over. Experiment's done. And I mean, it was it was it was ridiculous at the time, but it, t- it turned out to be ridiculous even after because what happened was the I mean the Heat won two straight titles after that, so that's one of my favorites. I I always like to go back to 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 you know nineteen ninety three uh, when I was in when I was in uh, grade school they the Dolphins. Dan Marino gotten hurt, and and Scott Mitchell came in to be their starting quarterback because he was the, he was the backup, but he came in to be the quarterback. And there was a there was a writer for the Miami Herald, Greg Cody. He still writes for the Herald now. He's he's always on Levitard's show as a guest guest. Um, he wrote to trade after two games. He wrote to trade Dan Marino and keep Scott Mitchell. He wrote a whole article on it. Oh, that's terrible. That, that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like something we're kind of going through in Philadelphia right now still uh, with Carson oh, Wentz yeah. and Nick Foles. Yeah, well, you know, I think with Nick Foles, um, the way it turned out in Jacksonville, I think people are starting to realize that he's, he's better off coming in as a backup. So... I don't know how many. I mean, do Philadelphia fans still want him to be the starting quarterback of the Eagles? I, I doubt it. 
it's you'd be surprised. I mean, it, yeah. it's not as much, but the amount of times you hear it from the delusional fans of, you know, just yeah. on sports radio or you see it on Twitter that they should have never gotten rid of Foles, especially after, you know, this past weekend when Carson Wentz unfortunately takes that uh, cheap shot from Jadavion Clowney. They're like, oh, he's injury prone and. You know, you can't control something like that, but you look at what Nick Foles did this year. He played in, in four games. He was injured himself, and uh, he got benched for a six-round draft pick. So uh, we all <laughs> thought that, you know, the the debate of Carson Wentz versus Nick Foles was going to be gone, and then obviously uh, I'm sure you were tagged in a bunch of uh, Danny Cannell's tweets this weekend too. Uh, he oh, goes about on that. his tirade of Carson Wentz not belonging in the NFL and – can he last? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that was a, a nightmare oh, yeah, in and yeah. of itself. Dan, Danny Canale got sent to the. To, he got he felt the wrath of Philadelphia fans. Oh man! For that one, yeah, I think I did get tagged, but I don't. I don't. I don't yeah, I don't know necessarily. Oh, for for future reference, I got tagged for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he he Canale's always been one of my biggest supporters. He supported the feed since the very beginning. He ta- he actually takes it in pretty good stride when. Uh, I call him out for stuff. Um, so uh, he's not afraid to, to to post something provocative. And he's taken it to a whole new level because he changed his uh, profile picture and it's him. Oh, yeah, and yeah, there's he's... a picture of Carson Wentz behind him in his profile <laughs> picture now, which is just absolutely hilarious. Well, he embraces it. So he, he'll, he, you know, he's, he's really anti SEC. So he like embraces that, and it, and he always, whenever anything any SEC team loses or anything, he'll he'll embrace it. He'll find any way to antagonize all SEC teams fans. Oh yeah. So I, I suspect he'll continue to do that with the with the with the Eagles fans. He, that's that's the type that's the type of stuff that he does. So I, I don't know if I, I, I know that uh, fans take it pretty personally. I know Philadelphia fans are, are right up there. Oh yeah, so. and uh, he he came on uh, sports radio up here, and former Eagle Ike Reese hosts. Uh, he's a co-host of the afternoon show on the station, and uh, Ike, he doesn't Ike, like my feed. Ike laid Ike, it down Ike, to him. Ike has me blocked. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. I get tags to a lot of his stuff, and I can't see it. So oh, that's I, incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have, I have like a hundred, hundred fifty people have me blocked. That's pretty uh, reporters. So yeah, so yeah, he's got me blocked. I, I I don't. I, yeah, I just remember when he was playing. I don't, I don't really know. Uh, I never really knew. Really saw a bunch of his tweets or listened to him, but I must have just retweeted something of his. And he he blocked me. <laughs> yeah, Ike is. A- it was. It's been a while too. Oh so, wow! Because yeah, I because I, I, I do get tagged in stuff a lot. And I can't see it. He uh he is a big Carson Wentz supporter, which obviously the uh the common Philadelphia fan enjoys. But uh yeah, he he really ripped into Danny. He was like, you know, you're a former quarterback and you're saying this stuff, and uh you know it, it was pretty good, pretty good radio going back and forth <laughs> uh, between Ike Reese and Danny Cannell for sure. And you obviously have to uh, enjoy, you know the the embrace debate type shows, whether it's, you know, Skip and Shannon and Stephen A and, and Max because of the amount of just nonsense that they're able to spew out there uh, on uh, a day-to-day basis. Well, I don't really record it. 
So like I don't just sit there and take notes. I do I do not like those shows at all. Oh, like, yeah. I can't Same. I can't watch them. I can't watch them. But uh Yeah, I mean I don't sit there and record them. Most of the time, especially with the FS one show with Skip, um they post a lot of the provocative things or the hot takes that they have. They'll post a whole clip of them always. So every day. Um, because that's like, they're kind of, kind of their goal is to say all these things that are going to uh, you know, make people get a rise from people. Um, and, and then to have everyone share it. So, so they always have that so that it's easy to get their stuff. Yeah. And they've brought on, uh, one of the public enemies of the city of Philadelphia, Orlando Skandrick, uh, quite often oh, yeah. since he's uh, stepped away from the game of football. And I'm sure you were tagged in that uh, very oh, just yeah. amazing tweet that the Philadelphia Eagles put out after uh, Skandrick went on, uh, you know, first things first or whatever oh, their show yeah, is. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And yeah. uh, they... he was mic'd up talking about uh, Malcolm Jenkins being an absolute leader and uh, – was complete opposite in front of the television cameras, which I found to be absolutely comical. And then that was also thrown in the Eagles playoff hype video, which, uh, you know, for Orlando Skandrick to pretty much save the Eagles season, uh, is a take in and of itself. For a guy like him, I mean, it's not really the type of guy. I mean, to be, I mean, Orlando Skandrick, I don't know if he's, He's got the the leverage to talk like that, right? <laughs> you know, he, he goes on yesterday trying to you know puff his chest out, and uh, Shannon said, "You know, you're sitting here because you gave up a first down on third and twenty two, and that's why you weren't playing in that playoff game with them." <laughs> <laughs> and he's on the show now for <laughs> they they bring for, him in as a a regular uh, guest now, and I guess it's just to uh, drive the Philadelphia market absolutely. That shit yeah, crazy. I guess, no, yeah, he seems like the type of guy who, you know, having us have opinions, they're probably grooming to be someone who will be on that show. Yeah, I mean, yeah. not on that show, but just on the network. Oh yeah, and they they bring him in, and he's he, you know, announces that he's done his football career, and he's trying to get into TV, and he's getting absolutely bullied by uh, Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. <laughs> uh, you know, so. Take me through uh, just kind of the the timeline of freezing cold takes, and you know it gets verified on Twitter. Um, you know what was kind of you know the the first thing to really blow up and and get the attention of you know the networks to to see this account and what it's become. Well, um, at first there was a couple of local radio stations. It saw it and picked it up, or, or personalities from those stations, and in in in, in certain cities, and at, the, at that point they said something about it, I guess, on their radio show, and got up to like seven hundred followers, and um, maybe there was a follower, maybe there was a national show in New York that got they picked it up within the first two months, and then and then. Yeah, I think it was February. I was at like 2,000 followers. I started in November of 2015. It was like around February 2016. Sports Illustrated um, wrote an article in the media column about it. And they got quotes for me and everything. And when they promoted it on Twitter, that's when everything just blew up. 
Wow. It was, it was like one day, I think it was the end of the month in uh, February of 2016. And they posted that article and they promoted it on Twitter. And I was up from like 2000 to maybe like 11,000 in two days after that. And then after that, more and more people started to know about it. And once the big accounts started following, they would retweet it a lot. That's, that's just how it, it grew from there. So, so growing up as a sports fan, for you to get quoted and, you know, get a, a, a piece in Sports Illustrated written about you, that had to be, uh, you know, one of the ultimate sports fan kind of highs. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was really cool. It was really cool. I thought it was um, it was really cool. I thought it was good. I mean, and newspapers, too. There were a bunch of newspapers who covered it. I even got to go to the, the, the Miami News Channel 10, came to my house, so and did a story about it. So, so it was uh, Channel 10 Sports in 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 Miami. That's pretty. So awesome. it was, yeah, it was pretty awesome. That 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 week was was fun, and I mean, from then on, I mean, I got to be on shows. I got to go. I got to be on shows for the past couple of years. I was on Paul Feinbaum's show a couple of times. Um, I was on uh, Good Morning Football twice, um, which was really fun. We love Kyle I Brandt go, here. I, I got to go in studio and and uh, and sit in like sit at the table and talk to them. Um, yeah, yeah, he was. He's really fun, Kyle. But he's Great. all he. Yeah, he's always been a supporter of the feed, a big supporter. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. And to, you know, kind of just blow up in, uh, you know, 2015, that's kind of the start of this whole, you know, internet era of, you know, how sports have been consumed and you see where you're at now. And uh, to see kind of how sports are, are covered from, you know, different angles, I think, to just have an account solely based on finding old takes from, you know, your traditional journalists, your traditional uh, sports writers and reporters, radio hosts, and, and finding them and, and you know, giving them a little uh, thorn in the side is something that you, you think back maybe even, you know, five years ago when you started this thing in 2015, it was like, can this really hold up? And now here we are in 2020 and... uh people eat that stuff up on the internet and it's, it's pretty cool to see just the different ways that uh sports media can evolve and just based off of, uh, you know, pretty funny, bad and uh, odd takes <laughs> that, that people decide to uh, let live on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just another way uh, for people outside people to kind of come in and, and interact with the media, which really wasn't around 10 years ago. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's fun. And to be running, you know, these, these social media accounts, obviously you're on Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, you know, how hard is it sometimes to, to keep up with, the amount of content that people are kind of throwing at you and saying, Oh, you know, make sure you bookmark this or, uh, uh yeah. you, you know, how, how difficult <laughs> sometimes can it be to, to keep up on, on social media with all of it? I, I can't, I can't see it all. <laughs> I can't see it all. Um, I get so many messages on, on Instagram and 
and Facebook and, uh, and Twitter, especially. Um, I mean, the mentions are constant, and there's just so many messages of people telling me. A lot of it's the same stuff. A lot of people tag me in the same thing, which I've already posted. Um, so, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 really hard to keep up with. I can't keep up with everything. I can't read everything. How does your phone battery hold up? That's what I. That's the the real answer. The phone, you know? <laughs> the phone battery is fine because I don't have push notifications. There we go. So I don't have um, the battery is fine because I don't. And the only time I, I see the notifications is when when I press the notification button. But I have to like I, I whenever I post something I I have to I don't really get notifications from the from the post. So, like, if I post something, I usually mute the conversation right away. Okay. Because the com- because it frees my phone with the amount of notifications that come in from after the post. Right. The irony so, there, uh, freezing your phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could freeze my phone. So what happens is I have to mute the conversation right So I don't see that many unless I look under it. I don't really see that many of the, the replies to the post. And the notifications I do get are people tagging me to something. Um, or sending me something, so I'll see those. But uh, like meeting notifications, so I don't see every like, every retweet, because uh, it would freeze my phone. A thousand percent. That it's good to yeah. know that you know at yeah. least at least you're not cycling through phones, you know, on a almost weekly basis, which would probably <laughs> happen if you had those notifications on. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> Obviously, your uh, your Twitter banner right now and your your pinned uh, profile uh, tweet is is Paul Pierce, which is absolutely amazing. Because uh, being a Sixers fan and us being in Philadelphia, we we grew up hating Paul Pierce. So him having uh, a spot oh, yeah. in the freezing cold takes, uh, I love that lore yeah. right now is great. I love that one. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, you look at uh, you just retweeted one too here. Uh, from WIP, the the big radio station in Philadelphia, <laughs> about, about Matt, Matt Rule, Rule, which is amazing. I, mean, I remember, that. I remember retweeting that when he said, "That's when he left Temple." Temple, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone knew he was going to leave. Uh, everyone knew he wasn't going to stay at Temple. He got a bigger job. The question was, was he going to take the Baylor job because Baylor was in such dire straits at that time? Uh, I, uh, but he he ended up taking. He, he's great, but. But he was going to eventually leave Temple. They all leave Temple. Oh Temple yeah, Temple can't pay anyone. Everybody leaves Temple, which is is pretty yeah. funny because they play at an NFL stadium too. Uh, uh, yeah, So you would yeah. think so many people would want to, you know, have that. Well, they opportunity. just can't play. They just can't pay anybody. They're, yeah, they're not in a good conference. They don't really have a fan base. One question I have for you, because uh, you also recently retweeted him, former Eagle uh, Emmanuel Acho. How does he deal? With uh, the freezing cold takes treatment because his uh, his Matt Rule to the Giants, Lincoln Riley to the Cowboys uh, tweet did not hold up, and it's very recent too. Uh, he's somebody that's very outspoken and uh, you know doesn't technically like to be called out from time to time. But how's Emmanuel Acho deal with the freezing well, cold takes treatment? Well, when he when he gets hit with something that's really off. Uh, I, mean, I remember something a couple weeks ago. He was just so off. He, he, um, he accepts it. He takes the L. 
I think. Uh, otherwise, I don't know. Um, I, I don't remember him ever being upset about one. So I, I, I don't remember, but I, I do know that he, he has taken a couple of L's before uh, of things that like he, he, when he's, he can be really wrong about. Something. Oh yeah. We've yeah, seen I mean, it a ton he, of times. Yeah. 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 So he, he'll, there's a lot of times where he says something that you, you, you flag for potential future right away. Is Darren Rovell one of the people that has you blocked? Because I imagine with his personality and just the way he kind of uh, carries himself, he would be one that would be very no. off-put by uh, being no. called out for something he did but wrong. He does. He he does. He doesn't like to be called out, but he doesn't really have that many predictive takes for 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 use in the freezing cold takes. Um, his stuff is more of like sub. Yeah, it doesn't really. He doesn't really have any predictive takes like about sports, so he doesn't get called out that much. Um, but he's a, he he actually likes the feet a lot. So That's he's good he's to hear. Pretty, yeah he 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 likes it a lot. I mean he, he's he's always supported it from like three years for three years. But he yeah he doesn't. He's very um, he doesn't like to be wrong. So if, if somebody disputes something with him, he, he will, he will try to argue back unless he's completely got, but, um, otherwise, uh, I don't use him that much for sports because, um, and, and I, you know, sometimes you feel bad retweeting him because if you retweet him, um, I mean, you'll see it in your mentions or you'll see it you know, under it. I mean, everybody goes after him. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, when I saw the uh, the sequence of that Joe Burrow uh, jersey oh, yeah, breakdown, yeah. I was like, oh uh, man. <laughs> I think he. I think he took. I think he admitted he was wrong there. Um, yeah, yeah. I think he admitted that one. That one was fantastic. And in a in a world now, you know, as we are in the early you know days of 2020, where internet media kind of you know runs the table you know newspapers are are unfortunately starting to die out and uh everybody gets all their information online whether it be from websites like twitter facebook instagram uh you know your traditional just news websites it's it's got to be a way that this this kind of freezing cold takes you know brand that you've built up is going to be able to succeed and thrive even more because everything is just so readily available with the push of a button. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff is becoming more and more available. People like to put, people like to post out what they say and kind of condense it and summarize it. So you've, you, you have all that out there. People, most people don't, a lot of people don't care. They're, they're trying to say things that are provocative in order to become noticed and have people talk about them. So it's, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff is there. And then a lot of people are sending me stuff when they see it. So you have a lot of people really giving me a lot of great stuff. Thankfully, Underground Sports Philadelphia has not been uh, hit with the, the old take exposed <laughs> just yet. But I'm sure one way or another, it will eventually happen. Um, you know, we, we I can't thank you enough, buddy, for, uh, you know, hopping on and, you know, helping us celebrate 200 episodes and, you know, following along with us too. 
almost from the very beginning, you know, I reached out to, you know, start building up a following and you were more than willing and, um, very, ex- it was, a an honor to finally get you on. And, uh, I know a lot of people are looking forward to, uh, hearing this episode and, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Cause it's absolutely hilarious. It's internet gold and, uh, looking forward to, you know, the next round of, uh, freezing cold takes that you're able to expose <laughs> on the internet. Let everybody know where they can, uh, check you out on social media as well. Obviously at old takes exposed is, uh, the Twitter handle. Yeah. And you can follow me at freezing cold takes, um, on, on Instagram. So that's freezing cold takes on Instagram is the at on that one. And then the same thing with Facebook. There's a Facebook page, freezing cold takes. I don't know if there's an actual knit, like, an actual at for Facebook. You just type in freezing cold takes in the search and it'll come up. Um, so yeah, those are the three and the big three. That's what, that's what we got. It's been a ton of fun, man. And, uh, I know the, you know, roaring twenties 2.0 is going to bring, uh, a hell of a firestorm of uh of takes <laughs> that i'm sure you're gonna uncover and expose to the internet world and uh, i can't thank you enough for uh for hopping on we'll definitely have to have you back on again because it was a ton of fun man all right thanks i appreciate it <laughs>